It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome in, everybody. Episode four of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. I am your host, Aaron Torres. I hope everybody is doing well, and I hope everybody's enjoying the new schedule of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. As I told you earlier this week, we will be doing two episodes a week, every week going forward. Sunday, Monday will be an early reaction to the opening lines. Don't want to get too deep into the weeds in that particular case with the reason being that a lot of stuff is going to change over the course of the week, but I know many of you like to get in your bets early. At the same time, we will also do this Thursday episode of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres where I do do, where I do do, where I do do, yes, I said do do, the deep dive into all of the week's games. That's when we have a little bit more information on injuries and uh, weather and things of that nature. And so we will be doing two episodes a week going forward. That is in addition to the Aerator Sports Podcast, which drops Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Again, the only goal of college football betting with Aaron Torres to make you the smartest gambler, get you the most information that I possibly can in the lead up to these games. And I should mention, by the way, if you are not subscribed to college football betting with Aaron Torres, make sure to do so on iTunes, Spotify, wherever. And my weekly picks go up every Wednesday at AaronTorresOnline.com. But I want to jump right into the picks. I don't want to waste, or not, not the picks, just the information. That's all we do. We don't do information. We don't force stuff down your throat. Uh, but what I want to do here now is basically get into all of the games. And we'll try to be a little bit quicker. Last week, I think we went really, really, really long on some of the games. Try to be a little bit faster here. We will start with the big one. Alabama at Florida. This line has been really interesting. It has jumped all over the place. Uh, Alabama was a 14.5 point favorite to open. All the lines I should mention are courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook is providing our lines. Alabama opens at minus 14. Go 14.5, excuse me. It goes all the way up to 15.5. It is back down to 14, which is some really interesting line movement. And listen, I think on the one hand, it really does make sense, right? Uh, Alabama, Bryce Young, this will be his first career road start for many of the players on the team it will be their first game playing in a true road environment they open the season in a neutral site against Miami they play Mercer at home and of course last year it was with minimal fans in some cases no fans at all and so I think Vegas is reflecting in that that you know it ain't going to be the same as playing Mercer at Bryant Denny when you play Florida in the swamp but something that also stands out to me is that this over under has kept going up throughout the week starting at 58 and a half it is up to 59 and a half and what that reflects to me is something you probably know. 
This Alabama offense is really good. And it's really interesting because as I started preparing for this game, I said to myself, I said, you know what? I want to look into when is the last time Alabama just was not able to move the ball against anybody? Like who who was the team, the last team that really shut them down? Because I started thinking, I said, they pretty much did whatever they wanted against anybody that they wanted last year. And I couldn't remember a time where they've really struggled to move the ball. And so I looked it up and I'll tell you this. I was blown away by this stat. I don't think you'll hear this stat anywhere else. Alabama has scored at least 31 points, meaning a minimum of 31 points in their last 26 games, okay? 26 games with at least 31 points. That is two games this year. It is all 13 games last year in the national championship run, and it is the 13 games in the season before when they had Tua, they lost to LSU, Tua gets hurt, all of that stuff. So we are now talking about the last time that Alabama scored under 31 points, regardless of venue, regardless of opponent. It was that national championship game against Trevor Lawrence back in the winter of 2019 it was the it was January of 2019 okay it is now October almost of 2021 meaning the entire 2019 regular season and postseason the entire 2020 season and postseason and 2021 Alabama scored at least 31 points in all those games that includes Two games against LSU, including the year they won the national championship. Two games against Texas A&M. A game against Ohio State. A game against Notre Dame in the playoff last year. A game against Georgia. A game against Florida in the SEC championship game. And so to me, the idea that Alabama is not going to be able to move the ball, even on the road, I just don't see it because we have no kind of uh, you know data that shows us in recent history that they won't be able to do it. I understand Bryce Young. I understand first-year offensive coordinator. But I do believe that Alabama will continue to have success moving the ball what's kind of interesting is the other side though it is Florida it is their quarterback situation with Emory Jones and Anthony Richardson I talked a little bit about it on Tuesday's episode Monday's episode excuse me but you know what I talked about was is the idea that anybody who has followed Florida knows that they have a real quarterback situation and Dan Mullen doesn't seem to want to address it um, Emory Jones is the longtime backup of Kyle Trask. This is supposed to be his time to shine. He has struggled early, two touchdowns, four interceptions, and they brought in this freshman, Anthony Richardson, who is just a stud. Over 100 yards rushing last year, again, last week against South Florida, and he is a guy that very much reminds me a little bit of Dak Prescott uh, in his size and physicality, but probably even a little bit faster. Dan Mullen addressed the quarterback situation on Wednesday and basically said, Nothing's going to change. They're both going to play. And so when you think about this game, that is something that you have to factor in. Uh, Emory Jones has struggled. He is probably not the best quarterback on this roster. It seems as though everybody wants to see Anthony Richardson get his shot. And it just doesn't appear as though Dan Mullen is going to be willing to give that to him. Now, I think a, a couple other things that are worth noting here, Florida can move the ball on the ground. They're actually the number one ranked rush offense in college football right now. Granted, they've only played Florida Atlantic and South Florida. Don't know how much you can take out of that. And I'd also say this. It's not as though Alabama's not a little banged up coming into this game. We know that they lost, uh, you know, one of their key linebackers a few weeks ago. In addition to that, Henry Toto's banged up. Um, you know, a couple of the other linebackers on this roster are banged up as well. Will Anderson is, 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 you know, dealing with a thing, although he's expected to play. The point being, 
I think both teams are going to be able to move the ball. I do worry a little bit about the back door being open. I think Alabama's going to win. I really do. I do worry a little bit about the back door being open for Alabama. It's worth noting, um, you know, the first half line seems like a pretty solid play. Alabama's about a seven and a half point favorite in the first half. On top of that, I do. I, I actually, you know, I don't try to force picks on you, but I'm just telling you, I really do like the over here. I think 59 and a half feels about right. Uh, or 50, yeah, 59 and a half feels about right because I don't see the scenario where Alabama scoring less than 35 to 40. Again, backdoor will be open for Florida, and so keep that in mind. If you do take Alabama with the two touchdowns, keep in mind that that backdoor will be open if they dominate late. Let's move on to the second big game of the weekend, and it is a doozy. It is. Penn State hosting Auburn. And what's interesting is I recorded Monday's episode just a few hours before Clay Helton was fired at USC. And I think the most interesting development in this game is that James Franklin, I think, is a real candidate at USC. And if you want to hear more about just my thoughts on James Franklin and USC, I encourage you to download the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. I actually talked about it for the full episode on Wednesday. But, you know, that is a rumor that is going to persist all, we, uh, all season long. I don't think it's going to be an issue this week, though. Uh, James Franklin, I thought, kind of ducked the question when he was asked about it. He just said, we don't deal with distractions around here. This is Penn State. Um, but I think it's going to be an issue later in the year. I think if this was November 20th instead of September 20th, uh, I'd be a little bit more concerned. But instead, I don't think it plays much of an issue in this game. In terms of these two teams, what's especially interesting to me uh, is we don't really know much about Auburn. But I also think, as I said on Tuesday's show, you can't discredit what they've done either. They've only played Akron and they've only played Alabama State. And I understand if you want to say, well, you know, hey, hey, what, well, what do we really know? Well, what I know is this. They won the first game 62-10 to against Akron, and they beat uh, Alabama State 60 to nothing. And they have looked as good as you would hope that they would look in that situation. In those two games, they did not give up a touchdown in any of the first three quarters of either game. So, yeah, obviously, sometimes a little bit late in the game. The game uh, is well in hand. The defense does bend a little bit, if not break, when second and third stringers are in. Also, Bo Nix has been very good, 74% completion percentage, five touchdowns. Auburn, it's also worth noting on defense, number one rush defense in college football right now. Again, I don't care about the competition. That's incredible. If you say, well, they only played these two lousy teams, well, ask Washington what it's like to play an FCS team where they lost. Iowa State FCS team should have probably lost to Northern Iowa. Uh, Florida State playing Jacksonville. I mean, it's not as though these games are that easy. And so with Auburn, it is going to be a little bit of a litmus test, a little bit of a show me. But I don't think that they're as unprepared, if you will, as I think a lot of people might think. With Penn State, we kind of saw who they are in that Wisconsin game a few weeks ago. Um, you know, they're not super dynamic offensively, but they are. They really get after it defensively, really good on the defensive side of the football, and a team that really makes other opposing quarterbacks and opposing players uncomfortable. But it's also worth noting that was easily a game that they could have lost. Um, you know, if you go back and, and think about that game, Wisconsin in the first half twice got into the red zone, twice came away with zero points. Penn State ends up winning 16-10, to 10, but they had about 250 yards of total offense, 150 of those yards came on three plays. And so to me, this strikes me as a game that will be low scoring. It will be close. Did not mention it, but the spread was minus six. It's down to minus five. The over under at 53. Again, not trying to force my opinion on you. 53, the under feels like the safe bet to me. Let's transition to the next big game on the docket. Indiana 
Then the Hoosiers hosting Cincinnati. Luke Fickle, of course, is another guy that is kind of in that USC realm. He, like James Franklin, don't know if you saw this. We wrote about it a little bit at Aaron Torres Online. He's another one that just kind of ducked the question when he was asked about potential interest in USC. You know, he dropped the ultimate football guy. Uh, you know, I barely even talked to my family during the season, so how am I going to be thinking about other jobs? Uh, and again, it's another one where I don't think it really impacts this game, but it is worth noting. The, the lines in this game have moved a little bit in terms of where they started. C uh, Cincinnati opened as a three-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Indiana. And you look at the over-under, it has dropped from 50-and-a-half 50, 50 to 49-and-a-half. Cincinnati is now a four-point favorite after opening as a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And I'll tell you, I think those numbers are pretty on point. I mean, it's not often that they aren't. But when I look at this, first of all, two really good defenses, okay? Um, in uh, Cincinnati, they have quote-unquote only played Murray State. They have only played Miami of Ohio. But they also, if you look at them, they're in the top 15 nationally in total defense, and they are number nine nationally in yards per play allowed. That is a very important stat that really is reflective of how you play, what happens, how it goes down, because eventually as the season goes on and the competition starts to balance itself out, uh, you know, that, that's an important defensive stat to keep an eye on. Cincinnati number nine in the country in yards per play through two games. Easily took care of Murray State and Miami of Ohio. It is worth noting, though, that they did struggle a little bit last week on the offensive side of the ball. The Cincinnati Bearcats did against Miami of Ohio. They ended up winning the game 42-7, to but it was actually 7-7 to at halftime before they pulled away late. Desmond Ritter, their, running, uh, their quarterback, excuse me, numbers are up from last year. He is completing over 72% of his passes, six touchdowns, one interception for Desmond Ritter. I, I, I think he might even be a dark horse Heisman candidate if they can win the, you know, the games that they need to win. If they are a team that can play themselves into the playoff conversation, that remains to be seen. But the offense, they seem to be a more balanced team to me than Indiana. And when I look at Indiana, what I would tell you is this. Keep an eye on that offense, okay? If you know me, you know I questioned Indiana last year and they made me look really stupid. But this year, it is interesting because game one, it's really hard to tell. Iowa really might be one of the, Iowa might be one of the four or five best teams in the country. Indiana opens at Kinnick. They end up losing. I talked about it a lot as it pertained to Iowa last week, but Iowa with two pick sixes. But again, it's worth noting, Indiana starting quarterback Michael Penix is coming off a major injury and major knee surgery, and it does seem like it is taking him a while to get going. It's worth noting that right now, Indiana, even though they scored a bunch of points last week against, uh, they played uh, Idaho. Despite that, it's worth noting that in that game, they actually uh, really struggled to move the ball. They finished with about 350 yards of total offense, but right now they rank 116th nationally in total offense. And last week had two special teams touchdowns and another touchdown that essentially came a play or two after a turnover. And so if Idaho had just cleaned it up on the special teams a little bit, that game itself would have been a lot closer. I do think Cincinnati should be favored coming into this game. We know how important it is for them and their college football playoff chances, so it's worth keeping an eye on. I also think the under is probably the strongest bet that you can possibly make. I know unders aren't sexy, but when I look at this game, I do think it's going to be a battle. I do think Luke Fickle has some kind of that Midwest, old school. Remember, he worked under Jim Trestle. Keep it tight to the vest. Bad pun when it comes to Jim Trestle, but keep it tight to the vest. 
Don't try to do too much. Don't beat yourself. Play into the fourth quarter, especially on the road. And I expect this one to be close and low scoring. Uh, let's get to some of the Friday games. We'll get back to Saturday in a minute. But there's two really interesting ones on Friday that I want to talk about. Central Florida, UCF, minus seven. A, a touchdown favorite at Louisville. And you know what that speaks to to me? I don't think Louisville's very good. And so when I look at this game, I think it's a testament to the fact that Gus Malzahn inherited a good program from Josh Heupel, the fact that they looked really good against Boise in week one, beat Bethune-Cookman in week two, and now they're playing a team in Louisville that just might not be very good. The over-under in this game also feels a little bit high to me at 67 and a half, uh, and it's especially because Central Florida's defense is actually pretty good. Uh, for people who did not watch that Boise game, they basically shut down the run game for Boise. Hank Bachmeyer did have a good game, but Boise only had 20 yards rushing in that game. And, um, and uh, Central Florida actually has the number one rush defense in college football. Now, I believe I said Auburn had the number one rush defense. I take that back. Auburn is the number one team in, in terms of yards per rush, yards per carry for the other team, whereas Central Florida is the exact uh, opposite. They actually just lead in total yardage allowed, 22 yards per game allowed. And so you look at a Louisville team that wants to keep the ball on the ground because Malik Cunningham really struggles to move the ball through the air. And I think this is a game that plays right into Central Florida's hands. And I think they're a justifiable touchdown favorite on the road. Now, I am generally not a huge fan of betting favorites on the road. I did it last week with Utah, and it turned out really poorly for me. But this, again, feels like the right number. I would also say the under in that game feels about right. Maybe UCF just moves the ball all over the field against Louisville. I do tend to think that they're a little bit, they were a little bit sloppy with the ball early. Dylan Gabriel already has two interceptions. He only had four all of last year. And Cincinnati is, or uh, excuse me, Central Florida is a team that got in about 12 or 13 games last season. So that's something to keep an eye on. That over-under does feel high, though, because I do feel like Louisville is going to struggle to move the ball. One team that doesn't struggle to move the ball... How about my Maryland Terrapins? Okay, let's get into the other Friday night game, Maryland minus 7.5 at Illinois, okay? That's a Friday night game at Illinois, 9 p.m. Eastern, which is an 8 p.m. Central time start. So you know Champagne will be rocking. I think everybody knows a lot about Illinois. We all watched them against Nebraska in week zero. And what I don't think you might know, they're 0-2 since then. They beat Nebraska. They have that big comeback win. They have not been very good since then. They lose to Texas San Antonio the following week, then get destroyed last week by University of Virginia. Brennan Armstrong, who was not a very good quarterback last year, looked like Peyton Manning out there against Illinois. And that's what's going to be interesting about this game. Illinois, the 116th ranked pass defense, and Maryland can sling the ball, man. You know, it's funny. I said a minute ago that I, uh, you know, that I bet against Indiana a lot last year, and it did not work out well for me. Well, one of the games I bet against them and I watched was that Mar they played Maryland late in the year, and it's kind of struck me. You know, Tua's brother with Mike Loxley and some of the young wide receivers that they have, they're a pretty potent offense. And so they've only played two games, but they beat a good West Virginia team, and they also uh, took care of business last week against Howard. And they have the 13th ranked pass offense in college football right now uh, coming into this game. And so, I, I, you know, this is one where Maryland's strength goes against Illinois' weakness. I think it could be ugly. I do worry this is Maryland's first road game. 
Also worth noting that, um, you know, it's a night game. It's a Friday night. Things tend to get weird. But I'm just telling you, that is a game to keep an eye on. I don't think Maryland's, like, elite, but I think they're going to be able to score enough to put fear in some good teams this season. All right, what I want to do now, take a quick break, come back, just talk, just rip through some of the other games. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each of them. Again, I don't want to spend 45 minutes on this show. I hope to keep it 20, 25, 28 minutes tops, get you the information that you need. So what I want to do, take a break, come back, break down the rest of the games. All right, everybody, I am back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. As I said, two episodes a week going forward, and make sure that you are subscribed. Some big news coming, hopefully, as early as next week. Really excited to share with you guys. Uh, Also probably going to throw up a bunch of these on YouTube, so make sure you're subscribed on YouTube as well. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, etc. But let's get back to the games, and let's get to Saturday. We did the three big games on Saturday. Then we went back to Friday. Let's get to some of the smaller ones on Saturday. The first one that jumps out to me, Nebraska at Oklahoma. Oklahoma actually opened as a 23-point favorite. It is down to 22 points, and the over-under in this game is at 61.5, which doesn't feel that high considering that Nebraska really struggles on offense or defense and Oklahoma is actually really good on offense. In terms of what you need to know about Oklahoma, look, we all saw the opener against Tulane. It was weird. It was bizarre. They ultimately get the win. But one thing that stood out to me about that game, they only averaged about three yards per rush against Tulane, really struggled to move the ball on the ground. It put a lot of pressure on Spencer Rattler. And so what is going to be interesting to me is if they are able to establish the line of scrimmage and take care of business against Nebraska. Nebraska has not been very good this year in terms of stopping the run. We obviously saw it against that uh, in that Illinois game where they just could not get stops, uh, but have been much better uh, offensively than probably we give them credit for coming out of that loss to Illinois. Again, though, when you start talking about rush defense, they are 76 nationally, giving up 143 yards per game in rushing. Something to keep an eye on going into this game. Oklahoma trying to reestablish the line of scrimmage when it comes to playing Nebraska. Now, in terms of the Nebraska perspective, it is really interesting because we crushed them after week one, and they deserve to be, or week zero, and we, they deserve to be crushed after week zero. They were not very good. They did not live up to the expect. You know, Scott Frost for the third straight offseason said, I really like how this program's developing, and they just get punked, especially at the line of scrimmage against Illinois. It is worth noting, though, last two games, they have played two really bad teams, Fordham and Buffalo. And they have actually done what they're supposed to do, which is take care of them. Again, when this program is looking to build some momentum, you can't take for granted just beating the teams you're supposed to. Take care of Fordham 52-7. to Take care of Buffalo 28-3. to And one thing that does stand out to me, Nebraska has been able to move the ball, especially on the ground. They are averaging over 236 yards per game. That is 22nd nationally, and it is actually, as it ranks in the uh, the Big Ten, excuse me, it is third in the Big Ten behind only Michigan and Wisconsin, so they have been able to move the ball. The big question in this one, look, I think we all know what it comes down to. 
Will Adrian Martinez take care of the football? This is a guy that has 27, 28 fumbles over the course of his career. Uh, none bigger this season, obviously, than the game against Illinois right before halftime. They're driving. He fumbles, goes the other way. Next thing you know, Illinois starts to pull away in that game. So what this really comes down to, will Adrian, uh, Adrian Martinez take care of the football, especially against, and it's worth noting, an Oklahoma defense that has done a good job so far of creating turnovers, six turnovers forced in two games for Oklahoma that would concern me I have no strong lean in this game I didn't you don't come here for me to tell you what my picks are but that is just one I don't know how you even begin to handicap it because it's just one like I said where you look at it and you think Oklahoma okay they might not be who we think but at the same time do you really trust Nebraska speaking of games that I just I don't even know how you begin to handicap how about Georgia as a 30 and a half point, 31 and a half point favorite against South Carolina? This line opened Georgia minus 30, and it has gone up throughout the course of this week. And what I think this really is a reflection of is what I told you in the preseason. I don't think South Carolina is very good. And I think Shane Beamer, listen, I crushed the hire when it happened on the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. But at the same time, um, you know, I think they play really hard for him. But if you watch the East Carolina game the other day, they're just not very talented. They play an East Carolina team. Granted, they were on the road, but they barely end up with over. They barely end up with 300 yards of total offense. They obviously have the weird quarterback situation where the grad assistant was actually the starter the first few games. He uh, he might move to the bench this week uh, as Luke Doty appears to be healthy. Um, but from there. Uh, you know, they just don't have very much talent. And so I don't know that I'm all that surprised by this point spread. I'm not surprised by this line. This is a night game in Athens. So you'd think that Georgia would come out ready to go. Also, it's worth noting with Georgia, and I said this on Monday's show, credit to them. They played a good UAB team last week, and I thought a lot of people thought it could potentially be close. It was 35 to nothing at halftime and 49 to nothing after three quarters. And so I do think Georgia is playing with an edge to them this season that they know that in that locker room they have a team good enough to win the national championship. At the same time, let's be honest. One, they're going to have bigger games. You, you'd think that they're not going to try to put too much on tape as they get ready for SEC play. Next week they play Vandy, but they got to play Arkansas and Auburn the following two weeks after that. And then Kentucky. I mean, you're talking about three teams that, that could be ranked when they play them. Kentucky looking really good early on as well. I just think this is one that, you know, you got to be careful if you really like Georgia. I think they're the much better team. But again, um, one, I should mention, we don't even know who's going to start a quarterback. JT Daniels is still banged up. Kirby Smart said Stetson Bennett, who started against UAB, is a little banged up. Now, he has not missed practice, but he is not at 100% either. So we will see what happens there. But this is just one. I don't know how you feel great about any side. You know, I even looked at the first half line, but it was about 18, 18 and a half. Didn't feel like something that I felt great about. And so this one probably is stay away. I don't know how you possibly handicap it without knowing who Georgia's starting quarterback is coming into this game. Another game that's kind of interesting. You know, we just talked about Georgia. Who they beat in week one? Clemson. Clemson plays last week against South Carolina State. And in that game, Clemson does exactly what you want them to do. They completely dominate. They run away with that game. Um, and I think this week is an interesting week for Clemson. Because this is the week that they have to start to put together impressive wins. They do not have a great schedule. And so because of it, they have to not only win, but win big. They play Georgia Tech this week at home. They are a 28.5-point favorite. Uh, and I think this is where the revenge tour starts. Now, what will be interesting to me, 
what do we make? First of all, Georgia Tech is not good. They lost to Northern Illinois in week one uh, on a last-second play, so they are 1-1. One one. They did take care of Kennesaw State. Their starting quarterback, Jeff Sims, has been hurt in and out of the lineup. So I think it's really hard to gauge exactly what we are getting from Georgia Tech coming into this game. I also just think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Clemson. The defense is elite. We saw that. Uh, but DJ has not been great. 54% completion percentage, 5.7 yards per completion. I understand that a lot of that had to do with the Georgia defense. But even dating back to last week, the guy completed uh, 14 of 24 passes, 171 yards. That's 58% completion percentage, one touchdown, one interception. So I just worry about him. I, 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 don't lo I, I love DJ's physical tools, but I think he overthrows the ball a little bit much. This is another one. I, I, you know, 28 and a half feels about right. I would probably lean Clemson. And this is kind of that revenge tour portion of the season. We will see what happens there. A couple other ones worth keeping an eye on. Minnesota at Colorado. I'll say this. You know, Colorado nearly upset Texas A&M. A lot of us watched that game last week. This line opens at one and a half. It's now up to two and a half. And I think that's the right number. Listen, I'm a P.J. Fleck guy. I like P.J. Fleck. But remember, their starting running back, Mo Ibrahim, went down with an injury in week one against Ohio State. He did not play last week. He is out for the season. And the 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 run game really struggled without him. They played Miami of Ohio last week, 287 yards of total offense against Miami of Ohio. And I would just be worried if you back Minnesota. If you back Minnesota and you say last week with Colorado was fluky, just know this offense has not been the same against Colorado. And Colorado right now is number 30 in the country in rush defense, did a really good job against Texas A&M. Colorado also was a good team last year, too, and I think people, it's easy to forget. Nobody really paid attention to the Pac-12, but Colorado, over 200 yards rushing per game for Colorado, um, and really went really a solid season in year one under Carl Durrell. They had over 200 yards rushing per game last season, so keep that all in mind as they play Minnesota, a team that is struggling to move the ball right now. Two last Pac-12 dark games before we get out of here. The first one. Arizona State at BYU. How about Arizona State? I'll tell you this. Really, this is a game I am genuinely intrigued by because I just think it's hard to know what to make of Arizona State. Never forget that coming into the season, there were a lot of people that thought Arizona State was a dark horse SEC or SEC, uh, dark horse Pac-12 championship contender and a team that could maybe be a fringe college football playoff contender. Then they had all the off-the-field off controversy. They're bringing recruits allegedly onto campus during COVID. Uh, some coaches are being fired, being let go. And so it's been a weird offseason, but they're 2-0. They take care of Southern Utah. They take care of UNLV. They come into this game 2-0, playing a BYU team that is 2-0 as well. Now, what's interesting about BYU, it's worth noting, BYU is 2-0, but Easily could have lost both the games that they won. Uh, they were actually outgained by Arizona in the first game. Second time, second game, they played Utah at home in the Civil War. Utah's a heavy favorite. Utah averaged over seven yards per carry, but turned the ball over a little bit, had some troubles with that, and BYU was able to get the win. Um, you know, with this one, I would think more than anything, I would expect it to be low scoring. Herm Edwards, I talked about it on this podcast last week with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. I said I like the under in the Michigan-Washington game, and the reason that I did is because Jim Harbaugh's got that old-school NFL mentality, kind of that, you know, that idea that in uh, on the road, in a big game, you take the air out of the football, you take the crowd out of it, long drives, chew the clock. That's who Herm Edwards is. And so to me, this one feels more under than anything else. But I just think it's going to be interesting as BYU is a 
three and a half point favorite, four and a half point favorite, excuse me, coming into this game as a road favorite. Second week in a row that BYU has been a home underdog, but they took care of two Pac-12 teams to this point. Speaking of Pac-12, last one from me, UCLA. Our boys, they're hosting Fresno State. They opened as a 10.5 point favorite, up to 11.5, the over-under of 63.5. Interesting game. You know, I would say, you know, you, you worry a little bit about the letdown factor with UCLA, but I also think that it's worth noting when it comes to UCLA, they did have a bye week last week. And so when they having the bye week, I think it allows them to kind of get the, the, the letdown stuff from the LSU game out of their system. Instead, I think they'll come out focused. I think they'll come out ready to go. UCLA, I mentioned this with Alabama earlier, UCLA is a team that has actually had a ton of success uh, moving the ball offensively over the last year or so. Uh, nobody really watched the Pac-12 last year, but you look at what they did, they, they averaged, um, excuse me, first two games this year, they averaged 41 points per game in those two games, 38 points and 40 plus against Hawaii, 44 against Hawaii. But then last year, Five of seven games, they scored 34 or more points. So this offense, I believe, is humming. Now, it's worth noting, Fresno State's a good football team, too. They actually played in many ways. They played Oregon tougher two weeks ago than Ohio State did. Uh, Fresno has the number five pass offense in the country, led the, led the Mountain West in passing a few uh, last, last year. And because of it, I think this one could be high scoring. Uh, the, uh, the over has gone from 62.5 to 63.5. I think it's going to keep going up as we get to kickoff. I think that's it for this episode, episode four of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. And a couple quick things. First of all, if you like this show, do me a few favors. One, go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed. Again, Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever, uh, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are, in fact, subscribed to this show. Also, again, worth noting, um, if you do enjoy the show, let friends and family know. Everybody's throwing a few bucks on these games, and I do believe that I give you as good of college football betting information as anyone does anywhere. Again, not saying that I hit 100% of my picks, but I think the information that I give is as good as anywhere, so make sure to share with friends and family. If you want to leave a rating and review, if you want to shoot me an email, let me know. Shoot me a DM on Twitter. Uh, let me know what you think of the show, what I could do better, all that stuff. But that is all for episode four of College Football Betting with Aaron Torres. Best of luck with your picks on Saturday. We will be back on Sunday or Monday uh, looking ahead to week four. Enjoy the games, everybody, this week. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.